welcome to another Perusia podcast. I'm Shabal Raish, and uh, we are very happy to welcome back to the podcast Matthew Leonard, the founder of Science of Sainthood. And we're going to be talking about uh, prayer and the interior life today. Let's welcome him now. Hello, Matthew. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing very well, Charbel. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Um, yeah, last time we had you, I, mean, I think we were still sort of... Uh, in COVID world, and uh, um, it's been a while to have you on. And how, how have things been for you guys? And and how what's what's how things? Just an update on a science of sainthood. How's it all going? It's all going great. Uh, you know, you can never plumb to the depths of the infinite God with our puny little finite mind. So there's always things to get into when it comes to the interior life and trying to dive into the the depths of our Lord. And uh, yeah, on a personal note, this last Easter, because it's been a while since I chatted with you, this last Easter celebrated my 25th anniversary as a Catholic. So wow. it was a big year for me, and I'm almost to the point where uh, I don't feel like a convert anymore. I feel like a regular old Catholic, which is a great thing, because uh, <laughs> I love this church with every fiber of my being, and I thank the Lord uh, tremendously that he gave me this great grace to become Catholic. Praise God. Oh, well, I remember we had it uh, last time. We did speak about your conversion story, and that was that was powerful. And I encourage everyone uh, to go back into our um, archives, check it out, um, the, the previous podcast we did, and that's the whole story of Matthew Leonard and his conversion. So I, I want to encourage people to do that. But, um, yeah, since coming becoming Catholic, you, you've you've really hit the ground running. You've done so much. Um, and, and when I first met you, it was in Steubenville. It was at Franciscan University. But you, it was under. It was when you were with St. Paul Center, and I remember you've got a few programs that you've done there. Um, how long has that been? Uh, can you? Uh, when, when did you find um, Science of Sainthood? Are you able to give us an update, a brief history of that? Yeah, no. This is about. I'm about. Uh, I'm almost five years in. About four and a half years into the Science of Sainthood, and the kind of the impetus for the founding of this. I totally stole the title from Saint Augustine. <laughs> I mean, he he talks about the science of the saints. And uh, St. Catherine of Siena talks about the holy science of love. And the whole point of it is basically that our movement towards sainthood, which is the goal, right? I mean, that's mm -hmm. the end game, is not something that just kind of happens overnight. It's not something we can just kind of uh, exist as a Catholic and attain. We can't just tread water and expect it to happen. Like we're just going to be, you know, oh, Lord, as long as I'm in a state of grace, you know, when I die or you come back, whichever one comes first, then I'm all good. No, the point of, the, of all of this is, our union with the divine God. Like we're made to be members of the divine family. So what that means is there's a process of literal deification of us becoming like Jesus Christ, literally, that we're supposed to go through. And that's basically the, the process of the life of grace. It's the process of sainthood. And so that's what the science of sainthood is really founded to do. Uh, it's a series of kind of bite-sized courses that take Catholics from A to Z, everything they you know really should have learned about the interior life, the spiritual life, but probably were never taught because a lot of people just don't talk about it a whole lot anymore. Uh, but it's the it's really what Jesus Christ says is the one thing necessary in the Mary and Martha story in Luke chapter ten. You know, Mary sitting at her at his feet in this intimacy of relationship. And when I first became Catholic. I thought that, you know, I had it all going on. I really did, Charbel. I mean, you know, you get introduced to this incredible new world of, you know, uh, sacraments and all these church fathers and church documents and all this incredible teaching and, and history. And it is, it's wonderful. And you know, uh, it's overwhelming in a way. 
but when I discovered finally the the Catholic spiritual tradition, and I really started diving into people like John of the Cross and Teresa of Avila and Francis de Sales and Augustine and Aquinas and their spiritual teachings, Gregory of Nyssa and others, that's when I, I kind of say the training wheels came off of my Catholicism uh, because it was then that I discovered what Jesus was talking about when he said the one thing necessary. Like, how is it that we move into the relationship with God that we are made for? And so once I kind of dove into that, it kind of took over everything else that I was doing. Uh, I found that every time I was on the road at a speaking engagement, I would end up coming back to the interior life every time and talking about this process of how we're made to be like God. And finally, I decided, you know what? I, <laughs> I keep talking about this. I might as well build something because when you start talking about it, people get excited about it. And the reason why is because this is what we're yes. made for. And so it turns people on and sets a fire inside of them because literally it's what we're designed for. And so that's what the science of sainthood is really all about. It's walking people step by step down that path of interior life and divine intimacy that we, so that we become saints. I love it. I love it. I, I was one that uh, have been moved personally by it. And that's why I really wanted to reach out to you because um, I, I remember that very first course you did and, and, and it was, it was very, um, uh, very good how you did it. You, you did them almost like the last three or four Lents. I feel like uh, I've spent with you. <laughs> You've had during the Lenten season, you had uh, some sort of a uh, course going on and it was great. You, you'd actually make them available for free. People could stream them for free and then and then choose to, to sort of subscribe from there. And, and I've um, I've loved it. I, can you remember, I mean, so it's only been what, so four years, four and a half years. When was the first, what was the first course and what when when was that released? Yeah, I started the whole thing on uh, St. Joseph the Worker Day, May okay. 1st in 2019. Oh, nice. So that was the, the opening day. And it started with uh, a course called Catholic Mysticism in the Beautiful Life of Grace. And I started with that because uh, that's where the saints start. Yeah. You, know, you read through all these. If you could see, I have more bookshelves and stuff, you know, on either side of me and behind the walls <laughs> behind me and all the rest of that. And I have all these tomes of old priest manuals and things which were it was kind of the it was what i mined frankly in order to to draw out the things that are in the science of sainthood and when you read these old priest manuals when you read uh people like father garagou lagrange and and the dominicans and others who have kind of and carmelites of course when they set up the stages of the spiritual life when they when they draw it all out and systematize it they start with the whole notion that we are literally made to be divine. And this is just something that we don't talk about very often in the Western Catholic Church. I mean, it's far more prevalent in, in Eastern Catholicism. And so what we call the life of grace, uh, the East calls, and I, by East, I mean the Eastern Catholics, they will call deification and divinization. Yes. And so Catholic mysticism and the beautiful life of grace unpacks what that means for us as Catholics, and then goes through how the life of grace operates. Um, you know, what does it mean when we receive grace in the sacraments? What's the difference between that and the kind of grace that God is giving to everyone all the time? What's operative grace versus cooperative mm -hmm. grace? And just kind of how all of these things work together to move us down the path toward this union with God. And this is stuff, frankly, that I don't know, 50, 75 years ago was probably a whole lot more taught, a lot more well-known. And, and uh, along the way, it just kind of fell off for various reasons. And, 
it's really making a comeback now. I think people are starting to to wake up to the fact that this is the most practical kind of theology there is because it's the theology by which we attain eternal life. <laughs> and so we want to know what the end goal is in reality because th this is the thing, Charbel. I, you start with deification because that's the prize, right? Mm. We think of heaven as this kind of, you know, boring place with half naked cherubs wearing togas, you know, <laughs> strumming on harps. And like, that's what we're trying to do all this for. Are you kidding me? Why is that even worth it? But the reality is something that's so far beyond our wildest imagination. I mean, St. Paul says, I has not seen nor ear heard nor the heart of man conceive what God has prepared for those who love him. First Corinthians 2, 9. And he went there like he went to the third heavens. He had this kind of experience. So he kind of saw this. That's what we're all after. It's something beyond our wildest imagination. And so the saints will always start with that. Like, guys, this is what you are working for. Yes. And frankly, if more people knew this, if they understood what the end game was, we would not be consolidating parishes anymore. We would be building them as fast as we can. But in order to get there, what has to happen is you and I have to be transformed. Like this has to begin in us so that people can see the Lord in us. That's the greatest tool for evangelization. We have to become holy first so that other people can see the Lord in us. And they're attracted to that because they're made for the same thing. That's when our church will start expanding again. And I know there are some places in the world it is expanding. It's not expanding here in the United States. You know, I, I don't know where in the Western world, frankly, it is. Mm. But we need to get holy again. Because holiness is the bonfire that draws people in from that cold indifference that they have in their lives. That's so true. So true. Um, so many truth bombs here. <laughs> but uh, this is this is great. Uh, what, do, what do you think? I mean, I know just coming through the ranks, coming you know, become when I came back in my faith, and I remember um, wanting to learn and doing traditional. Um, uh, you know, scripture classes or uh, you know, introductory courses on theology or philosophy, and you're analyzing, you're going in history of what different philosophers say. And I was in it, even in the seminary studying to be a priest at once. And I remember, um, I just remember thinking that that what we were being taught about about all these stuff was was through a particular lens, and I, I felt like um, it was very. Uh, very much missing the supernatural. It was very much uh, focusing in on some sort of, on the natural level, you know, the human humanity of Jesus, which is beautiful and, and important, but he almost left like the divinity of Christ out and then it left out anything to do with heaven, hell, anything to do with sanctity, holiness, how do we live this out? It's very heady stuff, very, um, yeah, materialistic, very secular, yeah. if I could say that, in a Catholic institution did you experience a bit of that when you came in the church like what was and you obviously saw a need because i'm getting excited uh, just by hearing you for the last five minutes but what this i think is a missing link <laughs> well i think i think a lot of i think what you're talking about yeah i i actually think you're you're absolutely right in the sense that this fell mm. off the radar because everything else got de-deified, right? God was taken out of everything. You even see this, it seems like a silly example, but look at all the shows that are popular. I don't know what's you know popular in yeah. Australia, but 
we have all these shows here where it's like CSI, this crime yes. scene investigation, and it's always they're parsing through what's the evidence, like even Sherlock Holmes and all the rest of this. What's the evidence? There's always a rational explanation, no mystery left unsolved, right? And really, that's the outgrowth of what you saw happen in the Enlightenment and when we're basically taking God out of everything and that science and the natural world is going to explain everything, we can figure it all out. And we got rid of all the mystery. And when you're talking about mm -hmm. sacred scripture, you had uh, particular people applying this to the study of scripture with historical criticism. And it's not the, that doesn't mean all the tools that are used are, are bad. Pope Benedict the 16th mm -hmm. said, no, these tools are good, but you have to approach scripture with the eyes of faith. Right. And, and so if yes. you're approaching it from a secular viewpoint, and if you're approaching anything in Catholicism from a secular viewpoint, looking to try to explain this and explain that, yes. you're really just attempting to desupernaturalize the faith because you don't believe. And you have to have these eyes of belief so that you view that the faith in the right way. It's almost like lovers. Right. If you just meet a stranger on the street, you're looking at them through a different lens than you do your spouse or you know, your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever, you're looking at them with eyes of love, with eyes of understanding, and you see beyond the surface to the mystery that makes them them, right? It's the same way we treat the church and we treat sacred scripture and all everything else that, that comes under the, the rubrics, the guise of Catholicism. We look at it through the, the, the eyes of faith and we see the reality of what's there behind the curtain because it's divine. And if you don't do that, it's easier to fall into a kind of a skepticism and you're just going to be left trying to figure out, well, what did Jesus really say when, you know, he, he quoted this? Because I don't I'm not really taking the text at face value. And I believe sacred scripture because I believe in the Catholic Church. Uh, it's not why I believed it in the beginning. I believed it. I'm not sure exactly why I believed it back when I was a Protestant, because someone said, well, you know, this is the Bible. And it's the word of God. But I had no idea that it actually came from the Catholic Church. It's one of the reasons I converted. But when you when you play that whole thing out, like you were talking about, Charbel, and you get to this notion of spiritual theology and what's the spiritual teaching of the church, you're absolutely right. When you take away the divine and the mysterious from every other aspect of life, there's no realm for the interior life and how we connect with God on the inside. There's no spiritual theology because the, we've gotten rid of all the mystery and we can just, my gosh, I mean, people look at each other now like, you know, we're, we're, the mind-body unity isn't even there anymore. We just look at ourselves like Lego pieces. We can just swap in this piece and that piece. That's where, you know, the, the transgender and all the rest of that kind of stuff comes into play. We don't recognize that yes. we are a body and soul unity. And there is a deep, beautiful mystery uh, in the spiritual side of our lives that we have got to tap into as Catholics. We can't get, we can't lose the force for the trees and think just by doing Catholic things, we become Catholic. No, we have to dive into the mysteries of the faith. And they're only mysteries because they're of God. It doesn't mean we'll never have any knowledge of them. It means that in our current state, they are beyond us, right? But the more you dive into the spiritual life, the more those mysteries become clear in the <laughs> luminous darkness of God, in the kind of the, the language of John of the Cross. I know that doesn't even hardly make sense, the luminous darkness This is great. No, please. But the analogy that I kind of <laughs> use for the spiritual life, and forgive me for going on, because I know I'm not even letting you jump in here edgewise, but, but I get so excited about this stuff. The analogy of us moving into the life of God 
that St. Gregory of Nyssa uses is imagine you've got a, a house, like you just bought a house and there's an attic, right? And you pop the kind of trap door off of the attic and you set your ladder up and you look up into that hole and it's dark. And you're like, oh man, it's dark up there. And you climb that ladder and you put your head up over the edge and you kind of take a look around and slowly your eyes begin to adjust to it, right? Oh, you know, I can see. Oh, and guess what? There's another hole up over there. There must be another level of the top of this. You climb up in, you pull your ladder up, you go to that hole. You, you're like, man, it's really dark up there. You climb your ladder and you poke your head up through that one. And mm -hmm. eventually your eyes adjust and you start to see. It's the same thing in the Catholic faith, particularly in the spiritual life. The more deeply you move into and you focus on the mysteries of God, to the degree that we are able, God's eyes become your eyes and you begin to see in the light of faith. This is that kind of luminous darkness. It's a movement. In Gregory of Nyssa's minds, it's not becoming lighter. It's becoming darker because we're moving more into the mysteries. But you can see because of the, of the light of God that's illumining your heart and you can see God for who he really is. Uh, it, it's really powerful stuff and it's mysterious in and of itself. But you can't begin to understand it until you begin to live it and practice it. Yeah. Wow. Well, that's that's fantastic. Um, I, I do want to touch on yeah, because we're moving away and assuming you know we're in an age where you know okay, how do we teach the faith? How do we evangelize? And we 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 start with almost like, and that's just the culture. We've got to start with okay, what makes me happy? What are the things? Um, that I enjoy, and then we learn, is there anything more to life than what we see? And then we, we, we sort of, we, we've been in this for decades at the moment. It's all starting again. Is there a God? How do we know God is real? Um, is the evidence of God? And we, we spend time. It's, it's important to do that, and that's where many people are. But assuming, okay, you believe in a God. Okay, there's a God. Who is he? <laughs> and then what, what's the purpose of us being here? And then did he, there's, a, there's Jesus, and we know the, the point of why Jesus came. And that's, that's actually a missing point Catholics miss all the time. Why did Jesus come? <laughs> it's not just yeah, save us from our sins. We rattle it off and then not let that impact us. But that's a radical turning point. That's a huge, that's a huge point, Charbel, because we get lost. You're, you're absolutely right. We yeah. get lost in this. Why did Jesus come? Jesus, the whole point was never just for Jesus to deal with sin. Yeah. Like sin just got in the way. The point of man's creation from the very beginning mm. was for us to join the family of God. So when we talk about divine life and the end game of deification and all this, it doesn't mean we become equal to God. What it means is, because he's God and we're a creature, what it means is we participate in who he is. Through his gift of love, he shares himself with us. So as 2 Peter 1.4 says, we become partakers of the divine nature of God. And, and we kind of, St. Thomas Aquinas uses this analogy of animals. Like, like I have a dog, right? And, and there are some, some of my kids are like, well, the, you know, Sam's part of the family. But is Sam really a part of the yeah. family? Because Sam's a dog, right? And so he doesn't have a human nature like the rest of the family. But if I took a baby and we adopted a baby into our family, the baby can actually become part of the family in a way the dog never can because it shares the same nature as the rest mm. of the family. It's human like us. God does the same thing to us. This wow. is the whole point of the sacraments. What do they do? What does the Eucharist give us? The body, blood, yes. soul, and divinity of God. And what he's doing is he's beginning to allow us to participate 
in his divine nature. Why? Because if we don't share the same nature as God, then we can't really become part of the family of God. We're just going to be adopted in like, a, like an animal. But that's not what God did. He made us to literally become his sons and daughters. It's crazy. And this is what we lose sight of because we're so focused on how do I, you know, how do I deal with my sins? And, and that's obviously it's hugely important, right? This is what the sacraments, you know, confession deals with this. Even the Eucharist does as well. But we take mm. our eyes off what the end game is. And the end game is divine life in and through Jesus Christ. And that's why we have to move beyond the basics of evangelization. For those of us who have been Catholic, I mean, the new evangelization wasn't about people outside the church. The new evangelization, starting with Paul VI and, and really ramping up with John Paul II, that was about the Catholic sitting in the pew next to us. It was about us. And the point was for us to be evangelized and to really grab a hold of the interior life so that we could be transformed into Christ and then become this, a, this magnet to other people because the, we've got the market cornered. Yes. There's a Catholic-shaped hole in everybody already. And if we get holy and Christ is inside of us, we attract other people to the faith as well. That's how the name of the game works. Right? That, that's how I became Catholic. I was mothered into the faith by other Catholics, and I could see they had something that I didn't. Right. And that's what has to happen to each and every one of us. Amen. I love it. I love it. So, so how have your then how does this impact the way you view the world? Um, and just for those who are what I'm trying to hopefully see for people is take them on this journey to, to want to know more already. I'm going to I want to know more, a lot more now. Um, but so we've learned our faith. We, we, we learn from a distance. All right, the head stuff. I know this. Do I believe this? And then what does that mean? Does that change my life? How is your life, I guess, now that you've lent into the mystics, into these saints and, and, and living with the presence of God and the end game now, like what's day to day like, what, you know, in, in, a, in, a, in a culture we're in, like what's it like? Do you see things? Yeah. What's the lens that you're looking through? Your relationships change, your conversations totally change, your interaction with people yeah. change. Could you give us a little taste there? Yeah. Uh, and, and really, Charbel, this is where the rubber meets the road. Like, what does the day to day look like? Because you can talk about all you know, this stuff until you're blue in the face. But what does it do for me? What does it what does it change in my life? Number one, when I really dug into this, I realized I needed to radically change my prayer life. Okay. Like that was number one. I mean, How so? is what, very clear can you give prayer. me an example? Because this is an important well, topic. I mean, yeah, no, it's huge. Um, I realized I needed to make daily meditation just that. It needed to become daily. Mm -hmm. uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori has this powerful quote where he paraphrases St. Teresa of Avila, and he says that if you don't have a regular life, i.e. daily life of mental prayer, meditation, you don't need demons to carry you to hell. You carry yourself there in your own hands. And it sounds harsh. You're like, holy moly. But it makes sense when you think about it because meditative prayer is... The catechism says it's what restores man to God's likeness and it enables us to share in the power of God's love. Well, the whole goal is for us to kind of get back the likeness that Adam and Eve lost back in the garden and becoming like God means we're becoming divine, right? Because we're mm -hmm. participating in his divine nature. And so prayer is the means to do that, obviously wedded to the sacraments. But if I'm not in relationship with God, which is what the life of prayer is, then how do I expect when I go to my final judgment, he's going to look at me and say, come on in, like, well done, thou good and faithful servant. He's going to look at me and say, I don't know you. 
depart from me because he's not seeing himself reflected in me. I, I was reading the, the meditation in the Magnificat today uh, from St. Uh, Elizabeth of the Trinity. And she talks about how when we develop this relationship with God and he's inside of us, God begins to contemplate God inside oh. of us, it, which is crazy, yeah. right? God's contemplating God in us. And that's what we have to move to. So practically speaking, what does this look like for me? I got six kids, yeah. okay? In the beginning, I made all kinds of rookie mistakes, Charbel. I was like, I was so taken with the life of prayer. I was like, I'm going to pray all the time. It doesn't matter what's going on in my family life. I'm just going to do this because it's changing everything. And I literally shut the door while kids are outside needing their diapers changed or whatever. I'm like, nope, sorry, daddy can't come. I'm praying. It was a, I was a putz, right? That is not the way you want to approach this. St. Francis de Sales says your, your spiritual life has to conform to your vocation, right? Your station in life. My family needs should come first. But when, let's just say it's a calm day, all right? I'm getting up before all the rest of my kids do uh, because that's the only time it's quiet in my house. Mm -hmm. And I, you just make that a priority. And that is my time. I spend an hour with the Lord uh, ahead of time. I get a cup of coffee. I pray a rosary. I do uh, 30 minutes or so of meditative prayer. And I take my kids to uh, school and then I go to mass or I'm taking my kids to mass in the afternoon. Uh, but daily mass has become a priority for my family. I know not everyone has the opportunity to do that. We do. It's a sacrifice. Uh, it is not easy, uh, particularly to take a bunch of kids uh, to mass when they're tired and you know have had a long day at school and all the rest of that kind of stuff. But it has changed our lives wow. because we're receiving our Lord yes. on a daily basis. So it's that time of prayer set aside uh, at noon. I, I want to remind myself that I'm in the presence of God. This is how my lens has changed. I view the world through my relationship and my intimacy with God. So at noon, I'll pray in Angelus. Uh, at three o'clock on almost every day, I'm praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Uh, we'll do night prayers uh, you know, in, in the evening. And what I find when I've ordered my life around prayer, you start to understand how all the other things that you're doing in your life affect your life of prayer. So you begin to see the world through that lens. Mm. Uh, it's like, what, what is what I'm going to do now? How is that going to impact my time in prayer? In fact, St. Teresa of Avila spoke very strongly on this. She talks about how there's a ripple effect uh, in the life of prayer. So maybe you've gotten to the point in prayer where you're like, you know, I, I, maybe you have a regular time in an adoration chapel or something, and it finally dawns on you, like it finally dawned on me, maybe I should turn the radio off on my way to the adoration chapel so that I can quiet down faster once I get there. Cause recollecting yourself is like, you know, 75% of the battle for us. Cause we're also ADD. Right. But you begin to see that that same notion of turning the radio down and silencing yourself ripples out into every other part of your life. So if you are binging on a series, uh, you know, on Netflix or Amazon or whatever, and the next morning you can't get that out of your head, and you can't enter into your time of prayer, it's really a, a struggle for you. And you go and you do that same binging the next night and the next morning you come into prayer and you can't focus anymore because you, you know, that that show you can't get out of your head and you do it again that night. St. Teresa of Avila says, you've just entered into the world of venial sin. Wow. And the reason she says that is because you are 
making an act of the will to choose to do something that you know is having a negative effect on your life of prayer. Like you're choosing something else over your intimacy with the Lord. And it sounds kind of strong. You know, when you first, when I first read that, I was like, man, that, you know, it's a high standard, yeah. but it makes total sense. Like what, like what's the point of this all? Yeah. And I'm speaking to myself as much as anybody else. Don't get me wrong. I am no saint. Trust me. Yeah. Right. But wh- like, what am I doing? Like I'm 54 years old, Charbel. Like, I mean, I'm on the backside of life already. <laughs> what am I spending my time on? Am I focused on, I'm moving more deeply into the intimacy uh, that God has made me for so that I can attain some kind of undreamed bliss that's going to boggle my mind? Or am I, you know, consumed with the things of this world? And it doesn't mean you don't live in this world. We live in this world, right? You know, we're made to enjoy this life. That's not the point. The point is, where's my emphasis? Like, what am I living for and towards? How am I ordering my life? That's how everything changed. When, When I when the, the the top came off of that whole interior life and I realized there's this abyss of God's love that I could dive into, that, and it's a slow process. I didn't change overnight, trust me. And I got a lot more change that needs to happen, <laughs> but I'm on the path, right? And so daily prayer, daily mass, and just beginning to be attuned to those things that I should be doing or should not be doing because the close, the more time I spend in prayer, the closer I am to Jesus Christ, the more I can hear his voice, and the more grace I get to change the things in my life that need to change. Well, well said. Well, so prioritizing prayer, prioritizing God, it really is a, a maturing, a spiritual maturing, yes. because um, let's face it, there was times, I remember when I, I didn't enjoy prayer, I remember actually clearly saying to, to my mother, I came back to the faith. I knew that I needed to be in mass. I knew I needed to go to church. And I remember admitting, I actually don't enjoy it. I had to be honest with myself. This is, it's a drag. I, I feel like it's just a chore. And it's like, I'll get the rosary done. So I'll pray a rosary and just rattle off the Hail Marys, get it done. There's my 15 minutes and I move on to the next thing. Or, and in my mind, I'm justifying like, okay, I've done a 15 minute rosary. I've done the requirement. Now I can go enjoy the binge watching of some (laughs) (laughs) content. And it's like, hang on, whoop, shift. (laughs) So it's great what you just said there Um, because we're not, prayer isn't, it's not about entertainment. It's not about just having fun. Uh, There's something deeper that's going on. And and once you touch, once you get there, it's like it's it's timeless, isn't it? It's like you're you're entering into eternity and then you forget about time. That's a that's a great point. And, and let me just say this for people who are listening to this or like, you know, I've never done yeah. that before. Like I've never set aside time mm-hmm. to pray on a daily basis. My advice is you start yeah. small. You start with like the 10 to 15 minutes that you're talking about, Charvel, and it will be very, very difficult. We've all been there, right? I mean, you would rather dig a ditch than just sit quietly for, you know, 10 to 15 minutes with our Lord. And it's a chore. It's hard because basically what's happening is we're we're trying to squash our humanity and all those things that are clamoring for our attention. And even if you spend that 15 minutes just trying to quiet yourself down interiorly, that's okay. Just do that, right? What you will find will happen is that over time, those 15 minutes will begin to go a whole Mm. lot faster. 
and then it'll turn into 20 and 30 and 45 minutes in an hour. And I'm telling you, time starts to go just like what you're talking about. You're moving into eternity. And the reason why this happens, because I did not believe that it happened when I first read this. I'm like, yeah. no way. I'm struggling through this, man. It's like walking through wet cement with loose galoshes on, you know, it's hard. <laughs> But the reason why time starts to move more quickly when you do this is because literally, this is what you're made for. You are made to pray. Mm -hmm. You are made to be in this kind of relationship with Almighty God. Sin has gotten in the way. Our fallen humanity gets in the way. And the life of prayer begins to smooth that stuff out and get rid of those things in mm. our life that would keep the grace of God from having its impact on us. And so if you stick with it and you continue to do it, just like anything else, it gets easier and easier. That doesn't mean it's always going to be easy because actually you'll come into times in your life of prayer where you experience dryness and you know all things being equal, that's a sign that you're actually doing the wow. right thing because God's teaching you to kind of grow up in your life of prayer. Uh, you don't feel him as much anymore. And he's saying, are you going to continue to seek me? In fact, when you don't feel the presence of God and you continue to pray, it's actually more meritorious than when things are going great because you're making an act of the will to say, Jesus, I choose you. Right. And the Lord loves that. That's powerful. Powerful. Now, for those, uh, we are, and the reality is it's busy. And as you said, you've got six kids, and, and I know we, we, we can't go on too long here, but I uh, want to make sure that people get an idea. So if I can't get that 15 minutes, and ultimately, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we, we can find it. <laughs> but, but, um, but those who are just adamant, I can't, I just can't get that time. And then once, once work starts, once the, once the busyness of our life starts, how do you live this? presence of God how do you have this union with God and you're in the office you're 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 changing nappies or diapers and, and you're doing chores and you know you're thinking oh, I want to be in church I want to go to pray but I just don't find the time and oh this you, you, there's another level of stress that's kicking in here um, how do you with this union of God how does that change things well again your spiritual life has to conform to your station in life, mm -hmm. right? And so let's say you're a single mom, yeah. okay? And, and you've got children and you are dog tired at the end of every day and your babies are waking up, you know, all night and you literally can barely even keep your eyes open. Are you supposed to be going and, you know, acting like you're a, a cloistered religious and having that kind of life of prayer? No, no, th those moments of, Lord Jesus, you know, I mean, extemporaneous prayer, we're just like, Lord, I, you know, you know what's going on in my life. I love you. Help me to grow more deeply in, in love with you. You make you you take what it is that life is giving you, mm. right? All that said, um, there's going to come a point in time, if it if it's not there already, where you can step back and say, what am I choosing over God? Are there things in my life that I'm choosing to do that could be that 15, 20, you know, 30 minutes of prayer because it's a matter of priorities, mm. right? And, and the more you mature in the faith, the more you recognize the real hierarchy of values and that God's on top, at least he should be. If we had our own, you know, brains organized correctly, we would see this more clearly all the time. And it's hard because we're fallen. So take a look at your life because I, there's generally speaking, everyone's got time they can carve out. 
I realize there are special exceptions to that. And again, you just reach out to the Lord. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Yes, sir. You just say, Lord Jesus, take me as I am. I want to make my life a gift to you, whether it's in this caring of these children or that third job you've got to work to make ends meet or whatever. The Lord knows. He, see, this is the thing. God is love. Mm. Right? We, we don't, we can't really fathom that, right? But he doesn't have love. He is love. He doesn't have mercy. He is mercy. And so he looks on us, every single one of us, with the eyes of a loving father. And it's hard for us to, to really understand that because we all have human fathers, mm. right? We've, we've been underneath fallen fathers. I'm a fallen father, right? God loves us perfectly. And so never have any fear. It's not like he's waiting to drop the hammer on you because you didn't do that one thing you were supposed to do. You didn't spend that 15 minutes in prayer or whatever. No, he's always waiting with his arms wide open, just like in that parable of the prodigal son to welcome us. Just make those little acts that you can and then wait for that time and look for that time in your life when you actually can carve it out and spend time with him just like you would a lover. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, Oh boy, you can go forever on this. This is this is the beauty of the, of this topic. Um, so this and this is now you get a little insight as to the saints of when they when they get this, and, and it drives them to want to know more, and and sort of sometimes the secular stresses and the secular worries, they sort of uh, melt away, and like you you sort of pick, like you got you don't worry about certain things, you know, traffic. Um, uh, there's certain things that. Uh, that you, you may have stressed about all your life and, and, and we have anxiety over lots of things and and because what's the problem there? We're, we're actually thinking it's all on us or we're in full control, but there is this sort of moment where, as the saints teach us, let go a little bit, trust in God a bit, live in his presence a bit. How does that help in our in our stresses of life? No, I think the more that you the more that you begin to practice the interior life, the more mm -hmm. you you pray the more often you can get to mass. Really what's happening is uh, you are beginning to abandon yourself more and more into the hands of God. You're beginning to trust him more mm. and more with every mm. aspect of your life. So you're not worrying about all those things that you just mentioned, right? Romans 8.28 is very clear that we can trust the Lord. All things work to the good of those who love God, uh, who are called according to his purposes. And I think that if the more, put it this way, St. Maximus the Confessor talks about how the real pivotal moment in our salvation was not the cross. That was the culmination. The pivotal moment was the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus said, not my will, but thine be done, where he joined his will to that of the Father's. That was the first domino to fall in our salvation process, his passion. Everything else took place as a result of him conforming his will. Yes. All those struggles and stresses and things that we experience in our lives, those are basically little Garden of Gethsemane moments for us. Are we going to trust the Lord enough in this situation? Are we going to give ourselves to him in that situation? Really, if you kind of wanted to boil the whole spiritual life down and the interior life, it's trustful surrender to divine providence. But you can't get to that point where you have enough confidence and enough trust in God to give him all of your life and everything in it unless you are spending time and you develop a relationship with him. I mean, you don't trust strangers, no. right? And God's the same way. 
you have to develop that relationship. And that's where it all comes together. I mean, it's exactly what you're talking about, Charbel. It really is about total abandonment to God's will. And you get the power to do that through prayer and the sacraments. Praise God. Um, uh, just uh, your recommendation, just, in, just general formation, does that help in the interior life? So, you know, reading catechism, uh, studying the Bible, and, and many Catholics probably haven't even looked at the Bible outside of Mass. You know, sometimes it's, 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 it's sitting there collecting dust. And I'm sort of torn here because on one hand, hearing you is like, and, and hearing what the saints, it doesn't matter about your knowledge of the Bible. Just get that oneness with God. On the other hand, having knowledge of the Bible and the characters and the stories and enriches your prayer life and enriches um, your understanding of who God is. So what would you comment about just learning the faith but all the other aspects of it, like, you know, basic catechesis, but then diving into Scripture. And you might, you might be tempted to say that's, not, that's separate to prayer, it's study, but it also is linked. Yeah. No, it's all this. I, I, it's part and parcel of the same thing. Yeah. I, I mean, to know God is to love God, right? And how do we get to know God? Uh, through that spiritual formation that you're talking about, through, uh, you know, the writings of the saints, through sacred scripture, through that basic mm -hmm. catechesis, through the catechism. That's why the church gives it to us. The catechism isn't an end in and of itself. It's a, it's a platform by which we move into this deeper relationship with the Lord. It, even, and even in prayer, for example, like Lexio Divina, which is uh, Latin for divine reading. So reading and praying over sacred scripture, you're just basically using scripture as your meditative tool. You're reading through it. And when the passage speaks to you, you stop and you engage the Lord about it. Mm. Well, Lexio Divina is a whole lot more powerful when you actually know the story of the Bible, right? And so... You need that kind of formation to deepen your experience of that form of prayer. So all of this stuff is important. It's not that it's not. It's that all of it is directed ultimately towards your interior life. Because when you yeah. appear before the Lord, he's not going to ask you, can you name the four dogmas of Our Lady? Right? He wants to know whether or not he knows you. But having the relationship with Mary actually helps your relationship with our Lord. So it's a both and in Catholicism. It's not an, e an either or. But that said, when you read the saints, what happens is over time, your relationship with the Lord becomes more and more silent. It becomes more and more quiet where you are all these things that you learned about him coalesce into this kind of relationship where you just want to be with him in prayer. It's kind of like the relationship between, you know, a, a, a boy and a girl. When you first meet each other, you're yapping constantly, right? Because you want to get to know them. They want to get to know you. And so it's constant talk and constant chatter. The more you get to know the other person, the less talking has to happen for there to be communication mm -hmm. because you're in a deeper relationship with that person. Like, you know about them already. You have a knowledge of who they are, and you're falling in love with them on deeper levels. That's really where the interior life is kind of rising to the surface of all those things that you learned about God. It's coalescing into this knowledge of love that draws you more deeply into the divine mystery. And it doesn't okay. mean you start Beautiful. to learn about them first, and then you pivot to the interior life. Uh-uh. 
it's part and parcel of the same thing. You should be praying your way through those catechisms and, and the, the saint books and scripture now. It's just that it begins to change the way you do it the deeper you go into the interior life. Wow. Love it. Love it. Um, now, can we um, just now, your courses on offer, I mean, I'm sure people are listening to this and they want to know more. Where do they begin? And, and do you recommend, um, with the way it's structured at the Science of Sainthood, is it you go from one and just work your way through or is it uh, you have seasons or you have, I know there's, uh, I know every Lent I look out for the Lenten <laughs> season, you've got something going on there or Advent, but uh, what, what, where do you recommend to start in the Science of Sainthood? Yeah, the, what I start people with is um, first I, I start them right off the bat with a, with a video on this is how you pray, like okay. meditative prayer. You've got to learn that first, and then you begin praying your way through all the rest of it. And all the courses are literally labeled, you know, one through right now there are 18 courses that comprise the science of sainthood, and there are a few extra wow. courses as well. But they're, they're set up in according to the order of uh, the three stages of the spiritual life. Uh, so this is in Carmelite theology, the purgative, the illuminative and unitive ways. It's not just Carmelites, but they're the ones who kind of popularized it. Most Catholics have never even heard of that. Basically, it's the stages of spiritual growth. So just like you grow up in the natural life from infancy into adolescence and adulthood, the same thing happens in the spiritual life. Purgative yeah. way is just spiritual infancy, and then the illuminative way is spiritual adolescence, and the unitive way is spiritual adulthood. And they talk about different things in the spiritual life in different stages. So in stage one in the purgative way, that's where you're dealing with how do I begin to pray? What is the life of grace? What's the end goal? What does sin look like? You mm -hmm. know, what are the seven deadly sins? And then as you transition into the illuminative way, the second stage, that's where the saints talk about, for example, growth in the life of virtue, because that's what you become more focused on. So earlier on, you're looking at getting rid of the, the deep, you know, weeds of sin. Now you've pulled those things up, you're working on, you know, your your vanity and your greed and those kind of more intricate sins, so to speak, that, that uh, you need to pull up. So the saints set it up in a particular way. And all I did was follow the way that they did it. So the courses, yes, they're all set up in order. That doesn't mean you can't do them out of order if you want to, because they all exist kind of on their own, but it all does build on what comes before it. Wow. Wow. Um, so now where can people go uh, to, to learn more about this? Yeah, they can just go to scienceofsainthood.com. And okay. uh, in fact, there's, you know, there's a free course. They can actually jump into Catholic mysticism and the beautiful life of grace totally for free. Wow. Uh, you get it for a couple of weeks and you'll get emails from me saying, hey, you know, you want to join the Science of Sainthood. You don't have to do anything. There's no credit cards. There's no cancellation. There's no nothing. You can just ignore everything else and just take the videos and watch them. And it just, you know, expires at the end of a couple of weeks. But uh, it's totally free. You can check it out. And uh yeah, I mean, that's where you start. And it starts with the, the goal of deification and unpacks the life of grace. And if that's all you get, then fine. You know what? You're you're that far ahead because most Catholics never even get that far, frankly. Yeah, good point. Uh, and, and it's on us. You know, people who are in the faith, Charbel, it's on us, you know, to, to teach the faith because this is what the Lord has put on our plate to do. But every one of us has that same responsibility because of our, our confirmation. We have an obligation to spread the faith in word and deed. And you got to learn to do that. So, you know, you got Perusia Academy and you got the science of sainthood and 
All these different things are out there to help us Catholics to grow in the faith so that we can develop this divine intimacy. You've got to start somewhere. You've got to jump in and begin to do it. Don't make excuses because today is the first day of the rest of your eternity. Right. Uh And there's going to come a point in time when you don't get to do anything anymore. You don't get it. You don't have to make any choices because either Jesus is going to come back or you're going to go meet him. And none of us know when that's going to happen. Eternity begins right now. Right. We don't live two lives. It's one now and one same one later. Right. You don't go to start a new life in heaven. What we do now is a going to dictate that we make it to heaven and Mm -hmm. b how close we are to the heart of Jesus Christ once we're there. And in all of my weakness, I'm striving to get as close to him as I possibly can. I got a long way to go, but I, I realize more and more, the older I get, it is the one thing necessary. At the end of the day, that's all there is. Amen. Wow. You've inspired me. I tell you that much. <laughs> Praise God. Um, you, you, just uh, as we close here, your pot, you do have a podcast as well. And then, and how do people, is that all from the same website or uh, can people find that? What is that called? Yeah, no, I mean, if you subscribe, if you get on my uh, email list at, at Science of Sainthood, you'll, you'll receive emails with the podcast. It's called The Art of Catholic, and you can okay. find it in Apple Podcasts and on YouTube and, you know, that kind of stuff. Fantastic, fantastic. And that comes out every week or every so often? No, at, at this point, yeah. I wish it was every week. Right now, it used to be every week. Right now, it's uh, probably okay. every month because I just don't have a ton of time with all the traveling and speaking and science of sainthood and all the rest of my yes, kids. Yes, of course. <laughs> you know, you got to pick and choose in different places. So maybe one day it'll get to be more. But there are, you know, there are 130 some odd episodes up there as we record. So there's a lot there. Amazing. Thank you for everything you've done. Wow, that's a lot of content. That's a lot of um, amazing stuff we can sink our teeth into and just learn. And I think, I hope people have learned a lot just from this little conversation here um, and, and you whet their appetite. So I want to thank you, um, Matthew, and praying for you. Um, can, uh, is there just a final thought from you as we close? There's something for people to take away. Um, and I'll put links in the bottom to your website, but just a final, a final word from you, please. Um, on this topic of prayer and the interior life. Yeah, I I would just say this. Start today. I mean, (laughs) don't make any excuses. You have to begin this life of meditative prayer today. If If I had one takeaway, that would be it. If more Catholics had a real life of meditative prayer, we wouldn't have all the issues that we do inside and outside of the church and it's not rocket science it's not it really is just you setting the stage with a quiet in a quiet place and a good time calming yourself down interiorly say the name of jesus over and over again whatever it is you need to do in order to calm yourself Mm -hmm. down and you enter into conversation with them how do you do that the easiest way is with a book just a saint book the bible and you begin to read through it slowly And when something pops off the page at you and the Lord speaks to you, pause, engage him in that conversation. When you get distracted or or that moment is over, go back to your reading. That's all it is. That's what meditative prayer is. It's just allowing the Lord in that internal quiet prayer to seep into your being. But I will say this, when the Lord speaks to you, and he will, he wants to more than anything, right? When he speaks to you, You have to resolve to actually do what it is he's showing you, right? And pray for the grace to do whatever it is that he's showing you, whether it's forgiving someone or working on a vice or a virtue, whatever it is that he shows you, 
resolve to do it because that life, that, those 15 minutes of prayer or however much you're doing in your life is meant to change your life. It's not just something we do. It's meant to transform us, but you've got to start somewhere. So if you don't have a life of prayer, that is my biggest piece of, of, of advice. Start today and all of your weakness. It's okay. Just go to the Lord. He loves you more than you can possibly fathom. And he's going to be delighted that you stop your life in order to take time to be with him. So do it today. Don't make any excuses. Well said. Praise God. Awesome. Thank you so much uh, for your time today and praying for everything you're doing. Um, wishing you all the well and blessings for you, the family, the children. And hopefully we'll get you down uh, back on um, on this one day. Love to have you down under one day. Who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll pray for that. <laughs> um, maybe even teach this. <laughs> <laughs> We'll see how that goes. But let me let me just tell you this, Charbel. God bless all that you are doing, and and for being the voice of, of the church and the voice of faith on your side of the world and all over the world because it's digital. Yeah. But you know, particularly focused where you are, uh, we got a lot of work in front of us. You know, and I don't mean just you and me. I mean every Catholic who is listening to this. We have a lot of work to do, and it's on us because we're we're the builders of the kingdom of God, and and for that to happen. We have to just sell ourselves out to, to what Jesus is offering. And at the end of the day, that's how you're going to be happy. Exactly. Because we, our happiness comes in, in God alone. So why not do it? Why not do it? So God bless all that you are doing and, and the people with whom you are working. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. God bless you. Well, wow. I hope you enjoyed that, everyone. That was, uh, as much as I did, that was uh, phenomenal. And that's only... A little wedding of your appetite. Please go to Science of Sainthood. Links are in the bottom, and and take advantage of all all that uh, Matthew Leonard's got to offer there. Um, and we hope that we can all raise saints. That's the ultimate goal. Um, we're all called to it, and it is achievable. But it starts with each of us, step by step. I hope you've enjoyed it. Thanks again for everything. Um, stay in touch with us on YouTube or on our website, perusiamedia.com, and spread this. These are free uh, shows, free uh, um, content to help inspire people um, be the best versions of themselves to be saints. Thanks, everyone. Uh, until next time, God bless.